0: Let me have a prayer with you for a moment. Heavenly Father, may the words that come out of this mouth and the words that are preached all throughout this world on this day, may they be acceptable in your sight. And may may the meditations of those gathered in the meeting places throughout this world, including this sanctuary, may the thoughts and meditations of those here gathered be acceptable in your sight. In Christ's name, amen. I want to share the last two verses of that which Pastor Schauer read. Mark chapter 4 is entitled, Kingdom Parables, One After Another. The very first one ends this way. Still others are like seed sown amongst thorns. They hear the word of God but three things cause that word to dissipate from their lives. They hear the word of God, but the worries of this life, the storms that come into our life, they can take us away from God. And then it says, the deceitfulness of wealth. Thinking that if we have wealth, we're going to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of on this earth. The deceitfulness of wealth leads us away from God. And then it mentions a third thing. The desires for other things will lead us away from God. The desire for other things. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong and powerful man rejoice in their strength. Let not the wealthy man rejoice in his wealth. Let him who lives on this earth rejoice in God himself. Worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things, they come in and choke off the word. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it by the Spirit's grace and produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. I have shared the story on rare occasion. True story. Read it many years ago. Willow Creek worships 25,000 people every weekend. No less, no more, as time has gone by. 25,000 people. Some ten years ago, the richest man in that congregation, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, he passed away. A day after he passed away, a custodian at Willow Creek likewise passed away. The custodian at that church was about the friendliest human being he'd ever meet. If it was raining outside, he'd get your keys and he'd walk a half mile, a mile out to get your car and bring it to you. Whenever anyone came into that church, he'd say, do you need coffee? Do you need donuts? Can I help you with anything? He was a very treasured individual, not because of his wealth, but because of his kindness. One day, the richest man in that congregation died. The very next day, the custodian died. The services were held there at Willow Creek. The wealthiest man in that congregation, when he died, there were five people that came to his funeral. Five people. When the custodian died and they held his funeral there were a thousand people that came to his funeral. A thousand people. It leads me to today's text, my final sermon during this program of stewardship. Listen very carefully to 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this one thing, Whoever sows sparingly, whoever sows sparingly of the time God gives you on this earth, of the talents that God gives you on this earth, and the treasures that God gives you, whoever sows sparingly, whoever says, my time belongs to me, my money belongs to me, and my talents belong to me, Whoever sows sparingly will reap very sparingly. If you throw nothing out of your time, if you throw nothing out of the talent God's given you, and if you throw nothing out of the treasures God has given you, you will reap sparingly. And whenever I read that, I cannot help but think of the richest man Of 25,000 who worship at Willow Creek. And five people come to his funeral. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you do not use your life to reach out to others. No one's going to know about you. If you care for no one else. How can anyone care about you? And then it says. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And whenever I read that, I think of that custodian. Did he have a lot of money? No. Probably had none at all. What did he have? He had a kindness and a compassion about himself. And that kindness and compassion leaked like a sieve out to others. When the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your kindness and give glory to God that he placed you in their lives. I cannot help but think of that custodian these past ten years. Whoever sows sparingly or reaps sparingly, whoever sows generously will reap generously. Let each man give as he has decided in his heart not because someone is forcing you to give, because the motive will be obvious to those who are receiving from you. God is able to make all grace abound unto you, so that in all things and at all times you will have all that you need, and you will abound in every good work. The one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the eater will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness so that you'll be made rich in every way and you can be generous on every occasion. And the blessing of your generosity will not only touch the lives of others, but it will cause them to give thanks to God And then I cannot help but think of one verse. It's Luke sixteen ten. If God has entrusted you with great things and you fail in those great things, God removes. And if God has given you small things and you are faithful in the small things, God will bless you with larger things. of the people, less than 10%, 8.5% of the people in this country are millionaires. 8.5%. One of them made himself known to me earlier this week. A significant, exceedingly touching moment in my life. I talked with him for two hours... He said to me, my parents were very, very poor. I would go to school with my shoes taped together with duct tape because there were seven of us in the family. And there was more than one occasion when we had no food in that refrigerator and my father would lead prayers, Heavenly Father, the refrigerator is bare. Can you bring this family some food? He said as a young boy, 10 years of age, he had one goal. And that was to be a millionaire before he left this earth. He told me that four years ago he reached that goal. He reached one million dollars. And he said I was so surprised. And how empty I felt inside. I thought that when I reached that goal, 55 years after I had set that goal, I figured that when I reached that goal, it'd be the happiest moment in my life. But he said it's one of the most empty moments I ever had. I said, why do you think that was? He said, I'll tell you, Pastor Strand, I'll tell you. Before I ever came to that amount of money, I used to be very generous with what I had because that's how my parents were. Part of the reason that I had duct tape around my shoes is because when they had some extra money They would say to me, neighbor next door, or the cousin, or whoever. They need this more than you need new shoes. And he said, Pastor, they weren't being mean to me. They were just saying, this money needs to go help others. And that's how I was a great part of my life. But the wealthier I became... And the closer I came to that goal, the more selfish I became with what I had. He said, Pastor, when you preached that sermon about the man building bigger barns, and then when he had built everything and said, Now I can eat, drink, and be merry, and that night he died. He said, that sent chills up and down my spine. Because I sat and thought, what if I have a heart attack and what if I get cancer? And what if all I have to show to God is that I have $1.8 million in the bank? What does that mean to God We talked for two hours. We talked about Zacchaeus. He brought him up. Said you mentioned Zacchaeus. Greatest joy he had was giving away half his wealth. One of the most significant moments I've ever had in the ministry. That night he wrote out five checks. Hundred thousand dollars a check. Charities he had given to when he was younger and had stopped giving to for five or ten years. $500,000 in a half hour's time. And when he was finished, he said, for the first time in a decade, I have peace in my heart. For the first time in a decade, I feel joy, even as did Zacchaeus. I shall remember that moment for the rest of my life. Seventy percent of the families in America, they live paycheck to paycheck. And if the car breaks down, or if there's a medical bill, they're in great trouble. 70%. You sit and say, can I be generous? Because I'm one of those 70%. The custodian at Willow Creek, he was not a wealthy man. But he touched at least a thousand people's lives. That custodian touched at least a thousand people's lives because that's how many came to his funeral. God owns all the wealth that exists in this world, He owns everything. And he loans to us this life. He loans us our time. Paul, I'll give you at least 64 years. Jonathan, I'll give you 27. Albert Strand, I'll give you 87. Dorothy Strand, I'll give you 87. He loans us our time on this earth. He loans us our talents. Some are good with mercy, some are good with finances, some are good with grace. And he loans us our treasures on this earth. He will loan you the paycheck. And he'll say, ten trees in the garden. You can eat of nine of the trees. But one tree, ten oh, percent, one tree. Shall not eat of. Tithe belongs to me. I mentioned in a sermon a month ago, and maybe this affected that gentleman. Preached in a sermon a month ago, a minister at a mega church says to his congregation, as he's preaching on stewardship, he said, would you consider driving a car that's 10 years old if it got you to the point of giving 10% to charity or church would you consider and he had a whole list of things and then he said something shocking couldn't believe he had the courage to say this to the 15,000 people that were sitting there many of them very rich because that's the portion of Dallas, Texas he lives in he said would you consider selling your house And buying a smaller house so that you could give God ten percent what He's given you. That minister had a lot of courage. God owns everything, loans us our time, loans us our talents, loans us our treasures. He asks us to do one thing with him. Do not live for yourself. I give these things to you so that you can touch the lives of others. And if you do not believe me, you have to look at Matthew 25. If you do not believe me, you have to look at Matthew 25. He said to those on his right hand, The time I loaned you, the talent I loaned you, the treasures I loaned you. You actually saw the hungry. And once you saw them, you fed them. You actually realized there were thirsty people on this earth. And when you saw their thirst, you quenched it. You actually took time to realize there were naked people on this earth. And after you saw the naked people, you did one other thing that took a lot of courage. You put clothes on them. You saw the sick. You saw those in prison. You actually saw them. You didn't turn your back. You didn't say, they're not part of my world. You actually saw them. Seeing is one thing. Doing is a second thing. You actually saw them, and then you went and touched their lives. He says come into the kingdom prepared for you. The gentleman in this church who I mention, who I received permission from him to share without naming him that story right here in your midst. I think Matthew twenty five touched him deeply. What shall we do with our time, our talents, and our treasures? You reach out into the deep waters, very, very, very deep waters, because by nature we live for ourselves and our families. You reach out into the deep waters, and you say, God, that which you have given me shall not all, no longer be used for the shallowness of my life. It shall be used for others. When God blesses you, he doesn't want you to hoard the blessing. He doesn't want you to become a stagnant pool of water. John 7, 38, when he blesses you, streams of living water enter you from God. And he never means those streams of living water to just stay inside of you. He shudders if they just stay inside of you. He says the streams of living water are to flow out to others. Closing word, Widow of Zarephath, First Kings 17. Elijah comes to the village, says to the woman, I'm hungry, give me something to eat. The widow of Zarephath says to Elijah, cannot help you. I have enough flour to feed myself and my boy tonight. Enough flour to feed us one more meal. And then she says to the prophet, then we shall die. I cannot feed you. Elijah said to her, bake me a biscuit. Bake me a biscuit. Feed me first. And I promise you, there will be enough to feed you and your child. Every single day, for months, she fixed him a biscuit. And every single day, there was oil and there was flour. She trusted God. There was only one person that Jesus ever pointed out in the Bible and gave him praise for what they gave to him. We hear the story of the rich man who couldn't give up his wealth and walked away sadly. The very next chapter we hear about Zacchaeus who gave away half his wealth. great joyous moment. The only person that Jesus ever pointed out to his disciples was a widow who put two coins two pennies in the offering plate. And he said about that woman, she just gave everything she had. Last week I talked about contentment. If God gives any man wealth and possessions, family, friends, a house, food, Shoes without duct tape, I guess. If God gives any man wealth and possessions, enables them to accept their situation in life. This is a gift from God. Such a person is not selfish. Such a person does not daydream. If only I had been given this break. Such a person does not spend too much time thinking about things. God keeps them occupied with gladness of hearts, the richest man in that congregation. Five people come to his funeral. That's what not. That's not what affects me so deeply. What affects me so deeply is his life must have been so cold, so cold, and the custodian who had basically nothing, had a thousand people come. Why? Because he used what God loaned him for the exact purpose Jesus describes in Matthew 25. He loaned what God gave him to reach out to others. My last stewardship sermon, at least for this particular year, Much to think about, I would suppose, for me and for you. God's grace is sufficient. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, you bring people into my life all the time. But I've never had an individual brought into my life, as happened earlier this week. And I've never been part of such a thing as to see him write those checks. Not because he is writing the checks to five different organizations who are throwing up their hands, praising not only him, but praising God for the bounty that he's given But it's rather to see a man's life changed by God himself, his way of thinking. I've seen thousands go through storms, and because of those storms, they've gotten close to you. But this situation was different. And I actually thank you, Lord, that you led Pastor Shower to this particular stewardship program. And as I often pray, Lord, there might be 800 people or 700 people or 900 people this weekend. May one life be touched. And if this man's life was the only life touched, then there is much thanksgiving in heaven as well as much thanksgiving on this earth. Be with your children, Lord. Help to make us content and help us have one desire above all else. You fed the hungry, you gave drink to the thirsty, you put clothes on the naked. You visited those who were sick and you came to those in any sort of prison. And you brought God's kingdom with you every time you did it. In our Savior's name, amen.